It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the final pre-NFL draft edition of Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast. Joined, as always, my good buddy Ryan Talbot. Uh, I am Matt Perino, coming to you from Cleveland, and I actually was just out at uh, the stadium. The plan was to set all of this stuff up. Um, our, our usual uh, taping situation and, and try to do it from outside the stadium, give you guys a little visual of everything. That's not going to work because of all the protocols, but it's okay. We're going to do the show here. I'm in my hotel room right now. Um, we're going to we're gonna preview this NFL draft, the final thoughts, final uh, rumors floating around, uh, get into my final mock draft, which have, hasn't even been released yet. You guys are going to get the first peek at it. And um, and also, I wanted to let everybody know, make sure you're following me on social media, at Matt Perino on Twitter. I'll be live there tomorrow a few times, uh, hitting top golf in the morning. Uh, get 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 a couple strokes in, but after that, uh, we'll be at the stadium all day, all afternoon, um, and all evening as we wait for the Bills to pick. So we'll see how the the, the picks end up happening. Um, if I might be in a situation where you know bringing you some coverage from there, if something if news pops while we're there, we'll obviously uh, be in a situation where you know we'll we'll figure something out. But I might come back here and do it because I want to make sure that the quality is good for you guys, especially on the audio version. I want to make sure that we're using our equipment so uh it's just a little bit different like we've never d- been at the draft before and this year more than any- anything they have a lot of uh restrictions so ryan talbot how are you my, my friend hey i'm doing great it's like christmas eve the cookies are out the milk's out now we're just waiting for the big show tomorrow <laughs> so i'm pumped up like i said my favorite weekend of the year so let's get this thing started Let's start off with this. And, you know, I've seen some comments in the chat here about, you know, different players that, you know, people want different positions. Let's start there. Like if, if you go into this draft knowing that, okay, have a good sense of where things have been going in the mock drafts. Where are you sitting here right now saying, okay, if this guy is on the board or this collection of guys are on the board, this is a home run situation for the Bills at 30. I'm not sure if I have a home run situation. You know, I've, I've thought of a few players. I'm going to I'm gonna bring up this question in the chat to kind of go along with this too because is ETN all smoke. ETN could end up being one of those uh, kind of no-doubters if he's there at 30. I'm not a big fan of the running back in round one. Uh, I, I think the trading up for him is all smoke, but if he's there at 30, I think he's truly in play. For me, I'm looking for someone that can uh, help you in 2021 but also help you long-term. So again, I'm I'm down to thinking defensive line and cornerback. That's where my mind is at. Uh, I know you can make a case for wide receiver. You can make a case for Travis Etienne. But I'm looking at someone like a Joe Tryon. That, that's who I had in my final mock draft. I saw on tonight's show that you did that uh, that was Tim Graham's final pick for the Bills as well. Someone that fits that prototypical mold of the height and weight ratio, but also really, really athletic for his size. Eight sacks, 12 and a half tackles for loss as a sophomore, opted out last year, but doesn't have the health concerns of some of these other players that uh, could fall starting tomorrow night. So 
I like him. I like Greg Newsome, a uh, cornerback that I think realistically can be there for the Bills. Obviously, the, there's players that I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, this guy would be great. But I saw Owusu Koromo in the comments. I don't see a scenario where he's even close to 30. I think he's gone in the top 15, to be quite honest. So if he falls in the 20s, yes, trade up. that's a trade-up situation because he can be a home run hitter. Hot take for you, Ryan. I, I think that – I think – JOK could last a little bit longer than people are anticipating. And I know that that he's one of the best defensive players in this draft, right? And I know that, you know, that's when you start picking away some of these guys, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he went before the edge rushers. I wouldn't be surprised if he went right in the mix with some of these cornerbacks. But, you know, because of the question marks, like, you know, everybody's mocking him to Washington specifically, I feel like, because – uh, he's a smaller linebacker, and they have a really good defensive line, a really good front, and you can almost hide him at times with those size issues. And I think that there might be some concerns that if he doesn't land in the right situation, you're maybe not going to be able to completely unlock who he is. But here's the thing. If he does land in the right situation, I think he could potentially be an absolute game wrecker, and I think that there's that possibility there for him. I was talking to somebody a few I think it was actually like at the start of the draft process, right around free agency, uh, somebody in the scouting community. And they basically told me that I, I, I wouldn't trade up for JOK. I, I wouldn't, I, I don't think he should go uh, mid, mid first round. Um, and so I think that there's some questions maybe on the executive side of things. So I, I think that that's interesting because I think that to your point, if, if he's there at 30, that's a real interesting scenario that Brandon Bean will be in because where do you slot him in? What's your specific plan for him? Is there like here's another thing I want to ask you about the linebacking situation? A lot of you know we, we talked about Tremaine Edmonds and the looming fifth year option. If they were to wind up with uh, Jer uh, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, and they want good football players, they want the best player on the board, right? Would you think that maybe that would lend? things a little bit easier for Brandon Bean to not pick up Edmonds option, maybe move on from Edmonds altogether and potentially long-term move Matt Milano to Mike linebacker. I don't know. Just a thought off the top of my head. What, where do you th see things progressing if they were able to land a JOK? Yeah. You know, that's, that's really interesting. I don't know if you, you can move a Milano to a Mike linebacker and expect to have the same type of, of play from him in that spot. Uh, that, that's really interesting question and really interesting way to think of it. I would actually think of it this way. Um, it, and I know this kind of makes uh, disappoints some Bills fans. I'd almost think of it as more like a Milano insurance as a rookie Milano. The last few years has had some injuries that have kept him off the field. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's injury prone. Some of the injuries were really uh, freak injuries that happened uh, late in the year, one year when he was playing at like an all pro level. He just signed that new contract. But the, the one thing about Brandon Bean is he always has those potential outs in those deals. So maybe it's a, hey, we, this was one, our best player on the board. But two, if we don't like the way that Matt Milano plays in 2021, 2022, and we have that potential out at some point, we can let him go. And we already have that replacement in-house on a rookie deal we don't have to worry about uh paying that large salary so that's the one thing that i i guess i would look at but yeah it's interesting because i know that brendan bean said that picking up two fifth year options is not ideal um but at the same time he had to know this was a possibility when he moved up all the way to seven and took josh allen when he moved up into the first half of the round and grab Tremaine Edmonds. He had to realize that this was a distinct possibility. He obviously didn't foresee a 
pandemic and a uh, the cap space around the league being lowered severely or, or taking a severe drop. But at the same time, you also have to know that when you make picks like that, things like this can happen. You know, I, I really like the uh, tonight on the show, you mentioned it, Josh Reed, uh, Channel 4 sports editor, mentioned that he was talking to Brandon Bean today. And he uh, apparently, Brandon, he said it right on the air, Brandon Bean has been, um, he's fielded some calls about teams maybe interested in moving into 30 if the s- situation arises in a player that they like. I think that that's music to the bill to Bills fans' ears. Like, because if you land in a situation where, like right now, I think the way things are trending, for me, and we can get into the running back conversation, I think there's a real scenario where Travis Etienne and Najee Harris are both off the board well before the pick, the 30th pick. So in that situation, you know, who's left? How many edge rushers have gone? Somebody, uh, same person I was talking to uh, uh, that I said earlier, said that Gregory Rousseau probably still going to land somewhere in this first round, uh, probably before the Bills pick. So if that's the case, if, if Gregory Rousseau goes, if Jalen Phillips goes, if uh, uh, Ojolari goes, uh, Quiddy Pay, I feel like Joe Tryon is in kind of that next group of players with, you know, Carlos Basham Jr. and um, Jason Owe that it might be a little bit of a reach at 30 to go edge rusher. I like Joe Tryon too. I think that there's potential to develop him but do you want him at 30 or do you want to move back into the second round and maybe try to get him there um i my final mock draft we'll get into it in a minute um i do have the bills trading out of the first round not too far back i'm gonna get into it in a little bit um but in terms of those players there and we can get into you know the skill position players whether it be a running back whether it be a wide receiver we were talking about this in the show tonight too what are your thoughts about wide receiver we've kind of um you know talked around it for the last couple of weeks i think it's always there and it's always intriguing and at times i feel like i've been yeah go get another weapon for josh allen but the more and more i think about it i don't know if i love the wide receiver route in the first round with as deep as you are at the position and i know 2022 is a whole nother conversation i sometimes feel or i feel like sometimes you just can find talented players in the later rounds develop them i mean look at just on this team alone, Stephon Diggs, fifth round pick, Tyreek Hill, one of the best players in the league, fifth round pick. I just think that that's a position that you can find more value in the later rounds. If you have a keen eye and you're able to develop. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think there are some intriguing day two, early day three options. Uh, there was someone I was going to mock in my final mock draft, but he was flying up the draft board. So where I wanted to get him, uh, Josh Palmer out of Tennessee, I no longer could because I tried to keep it as realistic as possible. Palmer, uh, terrible quarterback play, uh, a lot of talent. I think he'd be a superstar at the next level. I think he's going to be better in the NFL than he was in college. Uh, kind of reminds me, not not physically, of a Chase Claypool, but situation. Claypool, out of Notre Dame, goes to Pittsburgh, has an unbelievable rookie season. Why? Because he was playing with an actual quarterback. He was at Notre Dame, didn't have great quarterback play. A guy like Palmer, who didn't have great quarterback play, uh, he's going to be someone that could be had in those day, maybe round three, early uh, round four range, and I think he can be a really good player in this league. So uh, I do get if the Bills get to 30 and they're sitting there and they're like, well, it's the fifth best defensive end. It's no defensive tackle because Christian Barmore is off the board and the running backs are gone. Yeah, you can make a case for an Elijah Moore or a Kadarius Tony if he somehow slides and falls. If it's t- if Tony's there, I, w- I would be all for it. I- I'm really high on him as well. 
But I, I agree with the trading down. And you sit there and you look and you look at this first round and fourth overall pick. Let's start right there. Atlanta Falcons. There was a report earlier today. It's going to be Kyle Pitts. There was another report like an hour later is going to be a quarterback. Let's say they go the Kyle Pitts route. That's a team that I could see calling Brandon Bean saying, hey, we want to get back into this first round and grab a Davis Mills or uh, another one of those quarterbacks at the end of the round. Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond, yeah. And if not them, maybe it, maybe it's Denver because think about this. Denver, yes, they just traded for Teddy Bridgewater. Yes, they still have Drew Locke there. But are either of those guys long-term answers? I'm thinking the answer to that question is no. Bring in someone that you don't plan to play as a rookie, but you have them on at least a four-year deal on a rookie contract, but then you can pick up that fifth-year option too, and they pick at 40 in round two. So are you willing to drop from 30 to 35 or 36 and 30 to 40? If I'm Brandon Bean, knowing that a lot of teams around this league have 16 to maybe 22 first-round picks on the on the board, and you're not most likely going to get one of those players at 30, I'm, I'm willing to play ball to move down, get some extra picks, whether it's in this year's draft or, or even better in the 2022 draft. Just reading some of the comments here and Ryan, uh, Ryan Horton, who's in our zoom chat last night. Uh, what's up, Ryan? I don't want to stray down cause I, d- I can't wait another day for us to pick. And I think that, you know, I, I get that totally, but if you can add a, another day three pick, especially to move down, I, I think that that's intriguing. Maybe something can be worked out with Philadelphia in the Zach Ertz department. If that's something that, you know, the Bills are still uh, engaged in, in, in potential talks about that, that would be interesting as well. Uh, but let's set up this mock draft real quick and we'll get into, if you guys have any questions, anything you want us to specifically talk about here before, um, you know, on draft Eve here, uh, we will get into it. Um, I'm going to set up this mock draft in that it went a little bit differently. The first three picks, um, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, um, Mac Jones locked in for the first three. Then the Atlanta trades out of the four spot and Chicago bears trade all the way up from 20 to take Trey Lance. And here's my, my thought process on it. I know that they have Andy Dalton. I know that they have Nick Foles, but I think Matt Nagy wants, you know, the quarterback of the future. And I think if you go out and get, Trey Lance, you can move on from Nick Foles. You can start to develop him a la a Patrick Mahomes in in Kansas City who played behind Alex Smith for a year. You can let Andy Dalton be that bridge quarterback. And then, you know, they give up a lot of draft capital. But listen, the Chicago Bears haven't been afraid about giving up draft capital before. They traded for Khalil Mack. I think they would, they'd would they be willing to do it again to, to find a guy like this. And I don't think you're going to be in a position to draft a guy like Lance too often. It's just a fun idea that I threw at the wall. And then things get really even more interesting because – after that, you think, okay, the Bengals have the pick, their pick of the litter. Hmm. They go Jamar Chase, which is very puzzling, I think it will be to some people. But I have a feeling that Kyle Pitts is going to fall a little bit further than people expect. He's still a tight end. I know he's this transcendent talent, and, and you win with great tight ends in this league. But I just I fear that it's not a guarantee, and I think teams will be a little bit hesitant. I think that there seems to be a guarantee with Chase. He's got the familiarity with Burrow. It seems like a lot of people are, you know, that I, that I trust are, are going in that direction. So I put him there. Panay Sewell to the Miami Dolphins at six because they need to pr- protect Tua. I know that there's a lot of talent out there. I know a lot of people think they're going to draft Kyle Pitts too, but they need to keep Tua upright. They need to give him time in that pocket. He's mobile, but he's not. 
fast. He's not quick. And I think that's been, been part of the prob- problem. When you have that kind of you know slow reaction time, the cleaner that they can keep you, your offensive line, the better you'll be. And here's where it gets real fun. So the Los Angeles Chargers, who are slated to pick 13, trade up to number seven with uh, the Detroit Lions, and they pick uh, Kyle Pitts there to pair with uh, Justin Herbert. It got, it got all kinds of crazy in my Ooh. mock, Ryan. We're getting all kinds of crazy. We're, we're shaking things up. Now, check this out. This mock draft will have the first 64 picks. I'm not going to go get into you know a, a write-up on each one. I'm going to write up the ones that I, I think that Bills fans want to want to understand more about. I'll write up the trades. I'll write up the AFC East uh, and anything else that comes to mind, and then I'll get into the Bills. So let's move down to the Bills, and I'll talk about a couple of the players that were there. First of all, before we do that, Everything okay so far? Did did I did I uh, shock you a little bit too much uh, with some of this early movement? You shocked me a little bit, but I think the funniest thing is you said I know the Bears already have Nick Foles and Andy Dalton. Matt, that that's the reason to move up and get a quarterback. <laughs> if those are the guys that you have, you need right. to move up and get a quarterback. Uh, and, and throw into that that coach is is Nagy is playing or is performing for his job this year. So you need to get someone that not only. Do you want to be your quarterback of the future, but probably someone you can kind of throw in at some point this year and say, Hey, this is the guy. Look at what I can do with him. Look at how I I've brought him along as a rookie. Let me stay here and let me bring him to that next step. Uh, Kyle Pitts falling, anything can happen. So I'm not going to sit here and, and be, you know, dug into the ground saying, I think he's going number four. He is absolutely going number four. I still think there's a very good chance Atlanta takes him because of the situation that they're in with, with Matt Ryan's contract. The fact that they already have Julio, who, yes, they could end up trading. There's been calls about him. Um, that They already have Calvin Ridley, who is a star. You have those two, and then you throw in a Kyle Pitts, and, and that can make for a very, very tough uh, matchup for opposing defenses. But I, I like it so far. I like that you're spicing it up with a lot of these uh, trades. Penny Sewell makes a lot of sense for Miami, just parted ways. Uh, and again, Eric Flowers is not someone, he's not the reason why you you draft a Penny Sewell. Um, Sewell might actually end up being a guard long-term in this league. He has the ability to play tackle, though, and, and stick there. He's just going to be one of the best players in this draft, so there's nothing wrong with the Dolphins trying to protect their franchise quarterback. So, yeah, I'm loving it so far. So I think to your point, if if Atlanta stays at four, which they probably end up doing, you know, I, I threw I threw a big uh, monkey wrench into this thing to make it fun, but I think um, I think they take Pitts as well. If they stay, I think they're taking Pitts. I think it makes the most sense. I think he's the most versatile kind of player. Um, you know, they have Julio Jones, and I know that they want to trade him, but that's a complicated deal to work on. And it, I I don't think there's any guarantee that they even get that done. You know, this weekend if if, if they've already been apparently starting to talk about it for weeks. So we'll see how that goes. So as we get down to the bills here, um, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, you know, the, the kind of usual suspects go you know from seven to 20. Um, I'll say that uh, Justin Fields makes it all the way down to the Patriots. I know, sorry, Bills fans, but they get their quarterback of the future at 15 without having to move up. Although there is a report out right now. I don't know if you saw it, Ryan. I think Sal retweeted it and I saw it that the, apparently there's a, a reporter uh, has a source telling him that the, the Patriots are trying to work on a restructure for Jimmy Garoppolo and mm-hmm. open up a trade for that. So that's very interesting to bring Garoppolo into the mix and have him maybe uh, compete with Cam Newton for uh, for that starting job. Very interesting quarterback room that would be. And I don't know, 
I don't think that that's the way to go. I, if, if I was New England, and I, I guess what's your take on this, Ryan? If I was New England, I'd be doing everything in my power to get one of these rookies as opposed to recycling Garoppolo with, with Newton already in the room. I know it's only a one-year deal, but I feel like that puts you in a really weird spot to start the season. It does put you in a weird spot because you have two veterans and you know Newton, I'm sure, even though he's a realist, he probably still thought he was going to have a legitimate shot to win the job. He probably thought he was going to compete against a rookie. You bring in Garoppolo, someone that Bill Belichick really didn't even want to get rid of. It was just a, hey, we have Tom Brady. This guy's going to make a lot of money because a lot of teams are interested in that skill set. We can't keep him around. Um, I, I could see him almost being handed the job. It, it, you know, I know you said, what would you think if you were a Patriots fan? Well, I'll tell you what, if you're a Bills fan, you should be thrilled about this because passing up a young quarterback for a Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, I think that's a win for the Bills. I think that's a win for the Dolphins. That's a win for the Jets that they're not willing to roll the dice on one of these prospects either. That, you know, maybe they're not high on these guys, but there's a lot of stuff out there flying right now. Y you mentioned it too. Um, Sir Charles ooh. stealing my thunder. That's what ooh. happens in the mock. That's what uh, happens in the mock. <laughs> I got to shout him go. out here. I got to give him the thing. That is the deal because they took Jamar Chase at five. They want to get back into the into the first round to get an offensive lineman. So Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State falls to 30. And I think that there's a really safe chance because I think that there's going to be some surprising names in this first 25 to 30 picks. He's on the board. The Bills think about taking him and pulling the trigger because I'm sure I know that they have two tackles right now, but that wouldn't be a bad guy to stash on your bench as your swing tackle right now. But they, instead, they add the deal that ends up being made, and I gotta I gotta bring it up here so I can uh, figure it out. The Bills move up from, uh, or the the Bengals move up from 35 to 30, so five spots. The Bills end up getting back a four, their fourth rounder this year, and then their fifth rounder in next year's draft. So Brandon Bean's able to add some ammunition in 2021. And so now you just move back five spots. Tevin Jenkins goes at 30. And if you have questions, I'm seeing some, some people making comments and questions that I want to include. Once we get through this, I'm only going to get through like three or four picks uh, that I wanted to react to here. And then we'll, we'll get into anything you guys want to get into. Um, so, Jenkins goes, then the Baltimore Ravens take uh, Liam Eichenberg, offensive tackle from Notre Dame. Tampa Bay Buccaneers take Elijah Moore from Mississippi. Then round two, the Jaguars take Davion Nixon, defensive lineman from Iowa. The Jets take Creed Humphrey. I know another popular name for Bills Mafia. And then at 35, the Buffalo Bills stay right there. And I'll tell you a couple people that are on the board, and we'll get into that as well. The Bills select Asante Samuel Jr., cornerback out of Florida state. And I know this has been a very popular name, but I got to tell you guys, as I've, I've been doing as much, uh, you know, recon as I can talking to as many people as I can. And we've mentioned it a bunch of times. I don't feel nearly as plugged in as I did a year ago, you know, being able to be at the combine and, you know, talk to a bunch of different people, but somebody that I, I trust and that I, and that I respect, you know, in the scouting community told me that Asante Samuel Jr. is being overlooked. And I don't grind the tape. I don't I, I don't sit there and, and watch it as much as I can, but I put on some 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 film clips of him and, and what he does well. And then the word that this person used stood out to me. He said, he's instinctive. And that's exactly what Brandon Bean talked about last week. We want to add players that play instinctual football. And I think that that's a big deal there. 
And, and, and Jim or Jay says, why not D-line? Because I think after you get past these four or five that are off the board in this scenario, I think that there's a big cluster where they're kind of all the same in terms of, you know, their, their ceiling, their floor. I mean, it's a little bit up and down. I know Jason Oway, I had him in a, in a, um, uh, earlier mock draft where we, tr I had the bills training up to get him kind of soured on that idea a little bit. Again, these are all just exercise. And again, this is an exercise. Um, but I do end up going edge rusher at 61. I give the Bills uh, – I give them – I've gone back and forth on this a million times. Uh, Rashad Weaver, edge rusher, edge rusher out of Pittsburgh, um, which might be a little bit early for him. Uh, I There's a lot of guys that are going um, – you know, Boogie Basham is a popular name, Peyton uh, – I keep messing up his name – Peyton Turner, Turner out of Houston. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of uh, Ronnie Perkins out of Oklahoma – um, there was a few names in that kind of mix that were still on the board. And I went with Weaver because I think that he does a lot of different things. And I think that he might have, you know, maybe a, a lower floor, but maybe a higher ceiling. I think he's more dynamic. I think he has more in his repertoire. I think he's just kind of being slept on a little bit. Your thoughts on everything that, that I just unveiled there. Yeah, a lot to unpack there. Uh, you know, I, I like the move down. I figured you are going to say Asante Samuel. I watched uh, WIVB tonight, and I saw that was your guy. So I'm like, that's going to be Matt's guy in this mock. Uh, so I, I like him. I, I do like him. I think the size is that correct? Probably the biggest knock on him. He doesn't have the elite right. size of some of these others. Uh, but you're right. If he plays the good instincts, that makes sense. Um, there's a little bit of a connection there too, correct, in terms of uh, his dad playing along, you know, his, uh, McDermott and the dad knowing each other pretty well. So mm -hmm. uh, it, it's interesting. I could definitely see the Bills going cornerback because we've talked about this many times. They like Dane Jackson, but they don't want to hand him the job. Levi Wallace gets brought back every single year. You write off Levi Wallace, uh, not you, uh, just uh, people as in terms of in general. And he always wins the job, but it doesn't hurt to bring in a long term option into the mix. Someone that you feel really good about. So I do like that. Uh, Weaver, you know, he was actually really high early in the draft process in terms of where people saw him going. And maybe it is because he was slept on. Maybe it is just because some of these other uh, players rose up the board and there's something that, that draft analysts didn't like about him. But he he was very high at one point in terms of where people thought he was going to go. There's some talent there. You're still addressing two of the biggest needs. It's going to be very interesting to see what the Bills do and, and in turn and then are those the two biggest needs in their eyes or were they the two best players? Indeed. And, you know, I think that one of the interesting parts of this mock draft is there were, there were some, some notable names on the board. I mean, if he, uh, Melifon will out of Syracuse is somebody that I think could be in consideration at that spot. You mentioned the size. That's, that's a, they're kind of two different flavors. I mean, mm -hmm. Samuel, uh, I think they both play, you know, they're both able to play physical, but I would I would probably give the edge in that department to Samuel. But Melifon was like 210, 6, 6, 2. I mean, he is a huge specimen of a of a cornerback. And if you want that big that length and that size, but I'm not so sure that they do. I, I'm not so sure that they want the length and the size. Cause I think in it, Levi Wallace isn't that big, but he's a lengthier guy. And I and I I just don't know if that's worked as well. I think a more compact physical um you know, twitchy kind of cornerback makes more sense. And I think Samuel Jr. was playing an absolutely, you know, terrible Florida State defense. There's so much room to kind of develop. And I think they'd like to 
maybe sink their teeth into him. Caleb Farley was on the board in this uh, mock exercise, and I went in a different direction because, and I know that he's gone as high as like 12, 10 in some drafts, uh, in, in some mock drafts. I think the medicals are a serious concern. I think that there's concern around the league about, um, you know, buying in that at even that high at 35 uh, in that range, even the top 40, maybe even top 50. We'll see how it, how it plays out in a guy that had two back surgeries already uh, and, and is going to enter the NFL and, and things are going to only get more strenuous and more physical. So, and listen, there's been guys that have come back from, from that. I mean, Rob Gronkowski had it. Um, he had a, a microdestectomy surgery and, you know, obviously he's continued to play well. And it's, it's, there's actually um, our buddy over our bang, uh, banged up bills, Kyle, if you don't follow him on Twitter, he put out a good uh, article on cover one. I was reading that a little bit uh, the other day and basically went into Caleb Farley's injury history. And, you know, some of the research that suggests that guys can come back and, and there has been guys that have come back and played well, but I just think that you, you, you're, you're the first pick in this draft and, you know, I, their, their confidence in being able to develop secondary talent that they're not going to reach for a cornerback, I guess is, is my thought process there. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. This team is not a team that reaches. They're going to go for the best player available regardless of position. So um, it's going to come down to who they think is a good fit, who they think maybe is the most coachable, who they believe can make an impact, not only year one, but long-term for this team. So I, I did see, and I know you've already mentioned a few names, but who are some other players that were that were picked either – uh, well, not right before. I guess after thirty-five. Who are the next? Do you have that in, on hand? Yeah, yeah. I can go through the next players. Let's yeah, I can go through the next five or ten. So, um, thirty-six. The Dolphins picked Diami Brown, uh, wide receiver out of North Carolina. Got themselves a receiver there. The Eagles took Caleb Farley two picks later, uh, who are in need of a cornerback. Uh, so I didn't have him going outside of the top forty. And again, I mean, there's a chance that if healthy, this could be the top cornerback in the league. So mm. how far does he fall? And do the Bills consider him at 35? I mean, I don't have any inside knowledge on that. Who knows? They, they, they I, I think that the, 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 you know, the whispers are that you know teams are fearful about Caleb Farley, but who, who knows? If it, if the interview goes well, all that kind of stuff, we'll see. Uh, Jason Owe uh, goes to the Falcons at 38 uh, because they got uh, the. Um, the Bears' first and second round mm -hmm. pick. So they took uh, the edge rusher there. Quinn Miners, uh, Wisconsin Whitewater to the Panthers at 39. Uh, the Broncos take Alex Leatherwood. Uh, the Lions take Stone, uh, Stone Forsyth out of Florida, the tackle. little run on uh, offensive lineman there. And then the Giants get uh, Joe Tryon, edge rusher at Washington. So mm -hmm. he's on the board there as well. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, that's pretty interesting. I mean, there's some good players there that have been linked to the Bills. Obviously, Trine and Oway have both been uh, very popular mock draft selections for Buffalo. That doesn't mean that the Bills are high on either player, obviously, uh, but they've both been linked to the team. So it would be interesting to see who they would take in that scenario if there were two or three players that have been mock draft darlings for this team. Uh, if they go with one of those players or if they go a completely different route because we, we've seen that before where um, – I mean, just look one year ago, and mind you, this was later in the draft uh, when the Bills took Gabriel Davis. There was talk about another wide receiver out of Liberty that was on the board. Uh, that that wide receiver actually came out and said, "Yeah, the team that's shown the most interest in me in the draft process is the Bills." You think, okay, if they're taking a wide receiver, it's going to be that guy. Well, no, it ended up being Gabriel Davis. So there's always that information out there floating around, thinking that you're going to go one way, not the other. 
And then sometimes the Bills surprise us because they do keep things sealed pretty well there at one Bills drive. It's going to be interesting to see, one, who they take, and two, how the Bills react to it or the Bills fans react to it because that makes maybe for the most interesting part of the evening. Cam Greasy, uh, who I believe was in our Zoom yesterday as well. What's up, buddy, on YouTube? Love Samuel, but I think edge rusher is a little more of a need. In the next year or two, we're really going to need help there. And I agree. But you got to remember the protocol. They don't draft for need in the first and second and third round. They just don't do it. And so unless Joe Tryon or Jason Owe is higher on their board than Asante Samuel. I don't see them make it or any player. It could be, this is an exercise. Like uh, these are guesses, but you got to remember the philosophy that they go, that they go into this draft operating under. And that is, we're going to take the best player available. Cause if you get into taking players for need, you're going to reach for players because the likelihood of landing at 30 after 29 other teams make their draft pick and an edge rusher just so happens to be the top rated person left on the bills board. It's, it's probably considering how many different positions are in are on an NFL football team and in a draft, it's unlikely. And so I think that you're just, you're, you're hoping that Brandon Bean's going to do something that he just hasn't shown uh, a pension to do. Now I'm saying now at the same time, maybe there's a, a late first round, first round grade on, on, on try on. Maybe there's a late first round grade on a, Boogie Basham or Peyton Turner, mm-hmm. whoever, and they pull the trigger on that, and that they're they're staying true to their board. That's when it fits. That's when it works. And going back to the to the early and, and yeah, uh, Jimmer says B, Brandon Bean will make the right decision. I think that we've talked about this too as well. You know, I think most Bills fans, unless you've completely fallen head over heels in love with a prospect that you've had that, you know, every time you go over to the draft network and you run the machine, you make sure that your guys there and you click draft every time and you are passionate about it and you are ready to die on that hill. I get that. I, I get that part of the process. It's part of the fun of it. Right. But I think like trusting the work that they've done at one bills drive is a big piece of this. And I think most bills fans will sit back and say, Hmm, okay. And, and start to learn in and dive into the content that, that follows suit and learn more about the player. And it should be a fun, a fun follow because it's going to tell us a lot about the direction they go, whether it be trading, drafting with the players that are on the board, who they take, who they don't take. Um, wow. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah apparently just mocked draft uh, Joe Tryon at 21. Wow. Ooh. That is early, and that's what we're talking about, you know. If and, you got and a DJ's high grade, in. right? If you got a high grade on a guy, you pull the trigger. And we see this every year for whatever reason, you know, right or wrong. The the Raiders had a high grade on Cleveland Farrell, you know. So there you go. That's very interesting. Question here from Brian Colvin. Uh, isn't the draft pool going to be larger? Oh, that's that's quite the, the image there, Brian. Uh, isn't the draft pool going to be larger by a large margin next year? Maybe build up draft capital for next year. So trade up to get your guy. Uh, and then maybe trade for some mid-round picks for next year. Yeah, next year's draft pool is going to be a lot deeper. Uh, there, uh, Some people I've talked to have said it gets really thin by round, you know, the end of round three, round four. Uh, and it's going to be more difficult. There's not as many players in this draft pool. A lot of them opting to go back to school and things like that. Uh, less tape, less footage of the players. Players, not just because they opted out, but there's players like a Trey Lance who played one game this past season before they shut everything down. That's just one player, one school. But there's other cases, too, where there's not a lot of film. There's the injury concerns, and the medicals aren't up to 
uh, what the teams are used to. So there's a lot of concerns about this year's draft class. So yeah, if you can manipulate the board and somehow acquire 2022 picks instead of more from this year's draft class, I I think that that would be a big win for the Bills. Maybe frustrating for the fan base because obviously you want to see a bunch of new faces come in, but uh, at the same time, the Bills think long-term. They know that there's going to be more players to scout next year. There's going to be more games that will be played, more medical information, good chance that there's a traditional combine next year, and the list goes on and on and on as to why teams should be trying to build up those 2022 picks versus this year's draft class. Just going through uh, some of the comments here. Um, yeah, it I like a lot of different directions the Bills can go in this draft. And, you know, Rick brings up our trade of 30 straight up for anyone's 2022 first round pick. I mean, that's that's bold. That's bolder than I'd probably even go because I think you want to get a good player in this draft if you've done all this work on, on this, you know, especially going without a first round pick last year. I think there's still a lot of talented players. And one of the big things, you know, if you go back and read Peter King's column on Monday, he said that a GM told him that a real sweet spot of this draft is like 35 to 80. And so if you can get an additional pick in there and move back a few spots and then add another pick in that range, I think that, the, you know, you, you like a couple darts, you know, in that range. I mean, you could, and that to me is the, the smart way to approach this. If you have a couple players that you like, somebody asked earlier in the chat about, you know, running back being smoke. I don't think running back smoke at all. As a matter of fact, the more I've watched Travis ETN, I was watching an interview with him the other day. Um, as you know, the hype around this has been too big to ignore. We've had to really start to dive into it and, you know, start to really consider what Travis Etienne looks like in a Bills uniform. And I love his mentality. And that's a big piece of this. Like if they get Travis Etienne in, in, in a Zoom room and they're talking to him about ball, like they love to do with all these prospects and players. And he comes with, you know, his attitude on how he's used. And he, and he said in an interview, he's like, you get me on the field and I'll do what I do. It doesn't matter how many balls that I'm getting, how many touches I'm getting. I'm going to produce because I'm that dynamic. That's a confidence level. I remember asking Devin Singletary early last season. This is not to, to you know, you know, pour salt on the wound here. It's been a, a, a weird like week and a half for Devin Singletary. I feel like, you know, uh, obviously if you haven't go check out the big Tyler Dunn article, uh, he talked to him last week and you know, he's very confident going into next season as he should be. I think he's a good player. Um, but I haven't seen it to be last season. Has it been tough not getting a lot of looks? And he's like, yeah, it could be tough from time to time. Travis Etienne would have been like, no, when the ball's in my hand, I'm going to make plays. And I think that that might appeal to the Bills. And when you start hearing evaluators talk about comp- comparable traits to Alvin Kamara, your eyelids start going up a little bit. And listen, I'll tell you one thing. Marcel Louis-Jacques is a good friend of mine. And that, there's few people I respect more than him. And for him to be as supercharged on a guy like he has been on Travis Etienne tells me that's all I need to know. That's all I need to know that I think that this is a guy worth a first round pick. And so we'll see how it plays out. I don't think it's smoke at all. And I think if he's on the board at 30 um, and they're getting close to that range, I don't, I, I don't think that they'll trade up for him. I can't envision that. But listen, Brandon Bean has been aggressive before and shocked the world before. Yeah, and there's a difference between trading up to 27 or 28 where maybe you're you're giving away a day three pick than what that rumor was uh, that Todd McShay threw out there trying to get in front of, of the Jets and the Jags and the, the Steelers. That's, that's an equivalent of maybe a third-round pick you'd have to give up or two extra picks. 
I don't see them making that type of jump. But if they if they like him a lot and he's still there at 27, yeah, I could see them moving up a few spots to secure him. Uh, just nothing too wild. ETN is someone that will be happy, like you said, when his opportunities come, when his name is called. He's not going to be someone that is asking for the ball. He thinks it's important to be somewhere where he fits. Going to a high-powered offense like Buffalo's would be a very good fit for him. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can handle those swing screens. Um, but at the end of the day, there's been a lot of talk about him, almost too much talk. I, I think there's interest, but I almost wonder if th there's a little bit out there just to try to get everyone to focus on him and maybe they have another target in mind. Um, no, Marcel is not a Clemson alum. He covered the, the Clemson for his job. Um, he went to Arizona state and you should know that because he's all he's, he Brendan was the biggest I last year. Yeah. And he was the biggest <laughs> and kill Harry fan when nobody was and kill Harry fan. So there, there you have it. No, I, I like teasing him about that. Uh, he can tease me about, uh, you know, the UB bulls, although Khalil Mack horns up and Jared Patterson's coming this year. So, um, we'll watch out. Um, final thoughts here before we get out of here on this uh, Wednesday. And like I said, guys, stay tuned to my social media. I'm going to be live um, in, a, in a bunch of different ways. I'm just going to go live video on location uh, tomorrow. We'll do some live Q&As. It'll be super fun. Hopefully I can involve Ryan, maybe some even some other people as well uh, on the app. I think it lets you do that. Uh, it might be just voice, but whatever. We'll figure it out. Um, I, I gave my final pick. Bill Select, Asante Samuel Jr., how who do the Bills take and how do they get that get to arrive at that draft pick? Final question. Joe Tryon, pick 30. Prototypical uh weight, height, ratio, really athletic player. There's enough film out there on him. Uh, I know he opted out in 2020. Not a lot of injury concerns. The best is yet to come with him. And you're looking at a roster that has Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison final year of their deals, both over 30 years old. So you're gonna your plan, your long-term plan is to have Joe Tryon and AJ Epineza as that next wave of starters, with then maybe an FA Obata as depth, and maybe a Daryl Williams, uh, or I'm sorry, Daryl Johnson as depth, or other players too as the future kind of goes along. But they're thinking long term. That's what Brandon Bean said. I think that's one thing that he said that is not a smoke screen. Can't wait. Even if the Bills trade out of that pick, you'll get an angry version of Matt and myself tomorrow night at around midnight <laughs> yelling about having to stay up late for no good reason. But we'll be here one way or another. Thomas asking what time will we be live tomorrow? Wait and see, man. Put put the notifications on on my Twitter account. Uh, Ryan's Twitter account will announce it throughout the day. I'd imagine Sometime it'll be after in the midnight. Evening. There you go. I love the new poster. Very nice. All right, guys. Uh, for Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. Thank you so much for watching. We will see you tomorrow. Take care, everyone.